And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you want to stop being an idiot, get a little chocolate croissant. Because just the word croissant's gonna make you feel smarter. Good morning, sweet world! And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, May 11th. 2023. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory. And alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners. This is for you. Next to him, it's the bearded one, Matapsha Hot Boy, Trey Kirby. Ayo. Ayo. And last but not least, over yonder, it's the apprentice, Eshua Kid. How y'all doing? Hey, what's hey. up, Esh? I'm on high alert, actually, right now. <laughs> About 20 minutes ago, I got in here a little early this morning before the guys... And a giant-ass bug dropped out of nowhere and scurried across this table towards your seat, Tass. I don't know if it was a spider. I don't know if it was a roach. I don't know if it was something else. We did a a pretty intense look for it. (laughs) Did a sweep? And she gone. (laughs) So I guess it could appear at any point in this podcast. So you didn't see it? No, I saw it. But you didn't it, know if it was I, a spider, you didn't know it was a roach. It was, it was big, per, big. It was quick. It was quick. <laughs> well, it was about uh, the size of a, I don't know, a nickel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounded like a stink bug to me. Hmm. We uh, got a, a lot of weird bugs down here. Yeah. A lot of bugs. Oh, it's springtime down here. If you're watching live and you see it crawling, say something. Yeah, say something yeah. In, the, uh, in the comments. I think there. I, I, think I had... I had an earwig on my shoe today. Oh, uh, don't like those either. <laughs> That's one of the grossest looking bugs. It's on my Mount Rushmore of gross I agree, bugs. I agree. <laughs> uh, shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Like the vid, comment away. Again, yeah. Tell us if you see something scurrying across the table. And subscribe to No Dunks. We hit 69,000 subs. Nice. Very nice. Uh, and actually a lot more came in, so we're well on our way till. 70k so thanks to everybody that uh, finally subscribed yesterday i don't know what took you so long but we appreciate it and let's keep going share the show with your friends get your no dunks merch over at nodunks.com and hey if you're a survivor fan join us later today for a new no buffs live at 1 p.m eastern on youtube as we break down probably the best episode uh from survivor 44 good one last night so tk quality episode jd and myself and probably the bug (laughs) We'll be talking about last night's uh, awesome Survivor episode. But we got some games to talk about. Some staving off elimination happening there on Wednesday night. We'll begin with the Warriors defeating the Lakers in Game 5 to force a Game 6. Tass, I know we'll get to the Anthony Davis injury and the implications of that. Uh, But the game itself, what do you think? Well, I think the force of Anthony Davis through the first four games caused another change with the Warriors, forced another change. They started this series with Kevon Looney and Draymond Green starting. Game two, they went a little smaller, a little shootier with Jermichael Green in the starting lineup as opposed to Kevon Looney just trying to space the floor. Uh, Then they lost in game three, decided to go even smaller with Gary Payton the second. 
at game four. And then in game five, still Gary Payton the second in the lineup, but they decided to speed the thing up, make Anthony Davis move as much as possible out there. And it wasn't so much just pass, 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 shoot threes. It's not... It's not how they won this game. It was just taking the driving lanes and going at Anthony Davis. And knowing that Anthony Davis has gotten more tired and has had his best halves in the first half and then slowed down each and every game. So uh, he has caused the Warriors to change. And they were basically able to just, especially behind Draymond Green driving and Andrew Wiggins driving and those guys just moving as fast as possible. They're just saying we're, we're, we're faster and we have to try and get the, the biggest guy and, and the and the biggest force in this series moving as much as possible and they did that and and it wasn't just hitting threes they started with threes but then they got pretty cold uh in the third quarter didn't make one but they were able to bang home mid-range after mid-range after mid-range after mid-range uh hitting uh you know 16 paint points in in that third quarter they had 20 in the second quarter i do believe so they're, they're really going after it and yeah, just trying to make the move as much as possible. They got the W that way, even though Anthony Davis went out in the fourth quarter. It didn't seem like the Lakers had any real shot of coming back. Yeah, I agree. It looked like the game was over when Davis eventually went out, and it just looked like the Warriors did all the little things right and knew what they needed to do to get a win. It starts with Draymond, I really do think, scored 20 points. The Warriors are 4-0 and when he scores 10 or more in the playoffs yeah. right now. They were 52-50. to points in the paint for Los Angeles, which is basically a win for Golden State. They kept him off the free throw line, which allows uh, the Lakers a chance to rest. So if they ain't getting the free throws, it's going to be an even bigger taxing kind of night for Davis, for LeBron. I thought the Warriors did a good job on the glass. They won the rebound battle, which gave them a chance to push in transition. Like you're saying, they played a whole bunch faster. And they got a huge game from Andrew Wiggins, which they absolutely needed. Five assists for this guy, I think, is a huge number to see in Wiggins' box score. It's only the third time all season he's had five or more assists. But the Warriors were hesitant to put him into pick and rolls in game four because he's not necessarily a playmaker like Gary Payton II is, like Draymond is. Wiggins stepped up when he needed to. Both him and Draymond were so aggressive trying to get to the hoop and trying to make plays that when you're getting 80-plus points from your big three, you got a chance. Uh, And so the Warriors, they got the championship pedigree, and they looked like it last night. The other thing they did with Wiggins that I liked was they had him really fight through screens instead of just giving up easy switches because we had seen in some of these previous games the Lakers doing a good job of trying to get Curry uh, into the pick and roll and to switch and have LeBron on on him or even uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth as he took over at the end of game four there but they they were they were trying to avoid that this time and you do that by just saying just fight fight over the screen stick with your man let Curry stay with the guy we originally got him on I thought that was a nice little wrinkle there from uh, Steve Kerr and the Warriors too but yeah Draymond Green to me, was the real like difference maker. Like right away, just like looking at the rim <laughs> has an yes. impact, man. And attacking it, and yes. obviously finishing a little bit inside. They did a good job of trying to get AD in a Curry pick and roll action, and that led to those lanes for Draymond and Wiggins, like you said, either the mid range jumper there or even attacking. Twenty five points, the five assists, seven boards, like really good efficiency from him, along with the stellar defense. Like that's the Wiggins. That helped win the championship for them last year. That version of Andrew Wiggins. Uh, And, you know, he showed up here in Game 5 as they extend this series. Let's talk about the Anthony Davis injury, though. He leaves with, like you guys said, uh, eight to seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Takes an inadvertent elbow from Kevon Looney. Badly shaken up by the incident. Now, according to reports, he's placed in a wheelchair. He's carted to a training room. After feeling woozy, I believe, what Dave McMenamin was sharing on ESPN, 
He was able to leave the arena at the end of the night, uh, walking out to the team bus, no assistance. And this is important, I think. There's been no mention of a concussion uh, after the initial evaluation of AD. That's smart by the Lakers. Yeah, because... As soon as you say that word, here comes the protocol. That's right. That's right. I mean, sure looked like a type of concussion. If the guy's saying he's woozy, you saw the way he was reacting. Um, But yeah, they are not labeling it as such because... Tess, you nailed it there. You'd be obviously um, prohibited from returning to action on the same day, and that's not going to happen. You didn't return to the game. But that next calendar day, you got to go through all the league-mandated return to participation process, right? You got to, like, you're on the stationary bike, and, you know, you're running, you're doing drills, and you got to sort of take all these tests as you go through. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to happen in this case because they haven't said it was a concussion. We'll be watching the tweets, yeah. and that's all we can really do. That we can just you know go through the the speculative type conversation. There was no mention of it, and uh, he had to go off on a wheelchair say to get to the back because he was dizzy apparently, and that's <laughs> and that. Screams sort of concussion, does it not? <laughs> when the guys can't walk on his own, at least off the floor, and is woozy, but he walks out at the end. I don't know. It feels like a concussion. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, when it happened, I thought he got hit in the eye with an elbow right. just the way it happened. So, I don't know. Darvin Ham said he's doing better. We checked on him. He's doing okay. <laughs> That's what he said. Uh, but he didn't look like he was doing okay. Certainly no. not in the game. Eh, but he's got a couple of days. We shall see. I mean, there's no way to know. There's literally no way to know. I was more worried, to be quite honest, when LeBron came up limping on his foot. Uh, he tried to take a, a layup. I think he ended up coming down on Looney's foot. Looney. Is it Looney, Looney, was standing did, Looney did them both. <laughs> <laughs> Looney contributing either way. But then, you know, LeBron like limped back. It looked bad. He'd obviously had trouble with his other foot. So you think maybe he's overcompensating, but then like he threw down a monster dunk about a minute later. Right, You're like, right. okay, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the foot that kept yeah. him out uh, yeah. for a long period of time. Yeah, and with Anthony Davis, really it's don't know. Can we we absolutely do not know. And yeah, we we all you know make make the jokes about Anthony Davis, but he has been fighting back. <laughs> took a shot, you know, to the junk and, and fought back. So I, I, he has been playing through a bunch of injuries, and it could easily be that they were down double digits and they decided that there, there's no way we're even thinking about bringing him back in this game. Yeah, you've been talking a lot, Tass, about more Gary Payton the second, more Gary Payton the second. He got a little bit more burn last night, and he contributed. I mean, 13 oh, points, awesome. and he's like probably one of the best plus-minus guys in the box score, you'd have to assume Kerr's going to continue to to go with this here in Game 6 in L.A. on Friday. Yeah, they were just running, and they must be tired. When when they uh, had, a, had a lead in, in Game 3, and, and it looked like there was a possibility that they could take up a, a 2-1 series lead in, in this series, it was second quarter, they were up double digits themselves, the Lakers just clogged everything down. They just stopped the game, essentially. They just slowed it down. And Gary Payton II allows them to just keep speeding up. He was a plus 25 in, in this game. And I think they truly must be gassed after that game. And yeah, it's just they see on the other side, we've just got to keep everybody moving. They won a game where Curry shot 3 of 11 from 3 and Clay shot 3 of 12 from 3. From the floor, yeah. Uh, yeah, from, excuse me. So uh, they, they, they're they happy with what they did. They still shot 
uh, 51% from the floor. Oh, yeah. That's that's the battle, baby. Uh, so I think they can they can keep that going, I, I assume. Uh, now, for Gary Payton II, he's, he's key, really. Yeah, well, that's the concern, right, heading into Game 6. If you're a Lakers fan on Friday night, yes, you're back in your arena, but we have the AD head injury. We don't know his status, you know, whether he plays, and even if he's okay, there's that. You have the Warriors having figured out at least sort of their their starting lineup and how they want to play, of course, Gary Payton the uh, second, excuse me, and even Poole, at least in rhythm a little bit last night. Uh, can he sort of build on that? You had an aggressive Draymond. There's that. And you have the concern, Trey, of um, are one of the Splash Brothers going to jump in the pool here very soon I mean it's it's setting up for a game six clay because this oh, guy's been on. ice cold <laughs> and then even Curry who over the last two games has played incredible basketball but has not shot at the uh, you know the efficiency from deep that we've seen him throughout his career I mean over these last two games really struggling from deep like that's a bit of a worry probably for some Lakers fans oh absolutely yeah. I mean game six is a must win for LA because they don't want to play a game seven Steph Curry just had a 50-point Game 7 in the first round. You never know what's going to happen. And, yeah, if you're the Warriors, you're thinking, and Steve Curry even said it post-game, our best guys haven't shot well yet. So that's what we're kind of hoping for. That's why we're feeling encouraged going into Game 6. And, obviously, you would feel that way. You've got one of the best Game 6 performers of all time. If you get a nickname that's specifically about a game in a playoff series, you've come through in the past. So everybody's (laughs) going to be eyes on clay. Lakers included, so we'll see what he does. Yeah. Right, and wasn't the Game 6 Clay moniker, uh, it was created when they were down 3-1. Indeed it was. on the road and he does his business. We'll see if he can obviously replicate that. That's asking a lot for a guy that's been struggling yeah. with his shot. But we know he can do it. Um, any feel here on the, on the Friday night game, though? <laughs> it was impossible, especially well, with AD. Uh, yeah, it's definitely difficult with AD. The things that the Warriors have going for them, they always win a game on the road. That's what they do. They haven't won one in the mm. series yet. Uh, they win one every single series. They lost both in L.A. in Game 3 and Game 4. The Anthony Davis thing, regardless of the concussion side, let's say he plays okay. because we all want him to play. He hasn't had a block in two straight games. He has he has slowed down just just a little bit, and he, he is their force on the offensive end. There's no doubt. They just need him to be not only on the floor, but, but great. So they have that going for them as well, that Anthony Davis – is slowing down a little bit. Even though he had a really good game in the three-plus quarters, um, he wasn't as dominant defensively. And they just they were able to limit him because they got him moving all over the place. And they also took Jared Vanderbilt off the floor for, for this game because they need offense. And Jared Vanderbilt only played 11 minutes, so he, he also slows down Curry and the team. So they just know what they're doing. Uh, do I have a feel? Heck no. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, game, game six is... It does definitely feels must win uh, for the Lakers. Well, we got two of them on Friday night because the Knicks did their part as well. Jalen Brunson scored 38 points as the Knicks beat the Heat, 112-103 in their Game 5 in MSG. Trey, this was a weird game. I mean, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. That first quarter was one of the ugliest quarters we've seen in the playoffs so far. far. Knicks down, then go on a huge run. And then they're up big, and then suddenly, oh, my God, here come the Heat. You know, Duncan Robinson hitting threes, Lowry getting them back into it. I was like, oh, my God, not like this, Knicks. Not like this, where you had a 19-point lead, and suddenly it was down to, like, one possession, but they pulled it out in the end, and and Jalen Brunson was a huge part why. Oh, Jalen Brunson was a massive part why. We talked about it yesterday, how the Knicks could win this game. You got to get a good Randall. You got to get a clutch Brunson, and you got to at least match the heat shooting-wise. They did all those things, and it was because Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes played 48 minutes. Tom Thibodeau afterward says, 
was asked about it for game six. He says, if it requires them to do that, I'm not afraid to do it. <laughs> Honestly, kind of sounds like a threat. <laughs> like, you're playing 48, yeah. buddy. Hope we don't go overtime because it, it will be 53. We've seen it with Jimmy Butler in the past. But honestly, I was really impressed with the Knicks. Sure, they almost blew this lead. and They almost gave it away in the yep. fourth quarter. But the way I look at it is they took multiple chan- or multiple punches from the Heat and answered back both times. It seemed like the game was going to be over after that first quarter. 24-14 to 14 for Miami. I mean, 14 points in the first quarter of a closeout game. Not great for the Knicks, but they followed that up. 18-2, second quarter run basically to start the quarter. That was huge. It was a two-point game in the fourth, an 11-2 run to close. Yeah. I thought that was just uh, some good resiliency from the Knicks that we haven't necessarily seen in this series so far. And Julius Randle, what a weird game for this guy. Made his first shot, three-pointer. You're thinking it's cook time. <laughs> Missed his next six. And then he went six for six after that. So <laughs> right. who knows? Started finding some shooters as well. I thought Randall played a pretty solid game. Good performances from Brunson, Randall, and R.J. Barrett, who's had a really, really good series. So the Knicks did what they needed to do last night. They stepped up in every facet of the game where they had been lacking. So an incredible win, I thought. Mitchell Robinson, active at least on the rebounds too. Yeah, 11, eight points. And like they went to the to the Hack-A-Mitch, and he did just enough, usually hitting one of two. Somehow. I don't know how that first one would go in and his second one would almost, you know, take the rim off because it was such a line drive. But uh, I think he finished four of eight at the line and it ma- they, they did manage to keep him out there for a couple more minutes and then Tibbs took him out and obviously Hartenstein played and then they got him back in there after the final two minutes. But yeah, everybody contributed, uh, especially the, the backcourt tasks of Grimes going a full 48 and Brunson, the full 48 with the 38, nine and seven. Like, don't forget Jalen Brunson's name when you're making your best players in the playoffs list. He's at least on the second team right now. I know there's a lot of great guards, but holy crap. He's been lights out the last two games. Yeah, even in that that loss there where they went down 3-1, he had 32. I mean, their big three with R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle all had 20-plus in that game. Uh, but in this game, they just kind of outheated the heat. They, they got a little Quentin Grimier in this game. I thought they, they were able to fight off a deficit. I thought they were done after that even in the first quarter, that bad call where Jimmy Butler kicked those legs out and he was able to get a flagrant foul call on Josh Hart, which was, come on, uh, a little ridiculous because he didn't have his landing spot. So three free throws and then the ball, which turned out to be a four-point possession. It's 22-14. And with the way their offense has been just murky, uh, just really sand in those spokes, uh, didn't seem like they'd be able to come back. Even in the first half, Second chance points for the Heat were 17-3. to three. Mm. But this this Knicks team had the resilience of a Heat team, and the Heat kind of looked like they were back in the regular season, not able to uh, throw it in the water until the fourth quarter. Um, but I thought Tibbs unlocked Jalen Brunson a little bit. We, we definitely wonder about Tibbs's offensive tinkering. In this game, I thought there was just a, a few plays to just keep him going, and the way that I thought they do it, uh, they did it was a bit of a misdirection. Somebody else bring the ball up. Jalen Brunson kind of looks like he's out of the play, kind of trailing that guy, and then it's sort of like a handoff. Give that ball to to the bowling ball and just let him work. He just barreled into Gabe Vincent a few times, and it was just it was just go straight at him, and yeah. uh, it was it was smart. I mean, went right at Vincent, drew a foul doing that, got to the rim doing that, dropped it off to to Randall doing that, and that's how he got to 38 points, and he only had one turnover. I mean, he was It was pretty masterful. That that doesn't happen. Uh, there, there's a stat out there. I was, I was too tired to grab it, but it was 48 minutes, one turnover. It just doesn't happen very often. Pretty amazing. Um, so, Last guy was Jimmy Butler, I think. Was it? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. That felt like a very Brunson's game was very Jimmy Butler esque. Totally. The way he was yeah. bullying and living at the line, and obviously contributing across the board, playing the full forty-eight. Yeah, very Jimmy-like. Um, Dan Devine tweeted after that first quarter debacle from the Knicks. I think he was in MSG. There is a distinct lack of juice in the gym at the moment. Knicks <laughs> desperately need a spark from somewhere, anywhere, or this could get ugly. Well, uglier, fast. Obi Toppin was a bit of that spark. I mean, his box score is not going to blow you away. But he was out there after they took Randall out, and he contributed right away, and it got them going. Um, he was that tiny little bit of spark. He was a little bit of flint uh, to uh, get the crowd and that team back into the game after a garbage first quarter. They were they were frustrated with the officials. There was no doubt. They were fouling a ton and didn't think they were. They were turning the ball over. They couldn't make a shot to save their life, especially Randall after that first three. Um, but yeah, him and, uh, and, well, still Brunson and Grimes out there because they didn't miss a second. Got them back going, along with R.J. Barrett, who uh, had another really just solid-ass game and has put together a pretty good string of playoffs here that maybe have like some Knicks fans going, okay, yeah, all right, I see it. We've had to, we've had to be pretty patient with this guy, but you you'd obviously see the flashes, and, and it's nice to see him string together a postseason here. 22-5-3, and three, shooting 47 from the field, 41 from three in this series. That's good. For the playoffs, 25-3, and three, 45 from the field, 35 from the playoffs. That's fair. Uh, you'll take that. Uh, he's been a little bit more reliable, I feel like, than Randall, which is something you're not always assuming uh, with the Knicks. But the key is for them getting both Randall and Barrett to play well in the same game because then they're really tough to beat. When they're getting 20 or more from their top three guys, that's a good offense right there. The problem is when Randall has a good game and Barrett is underneath. Barrett has a good game and Randall is underneath. Last night, they were both flowing. Yeah, and they're still able to win with those three guys, 20-plus, and nobody else in double digits. Uh, but but so many contributions from, you mentioned Toppin and, and Quentin Grimes, who was just fighty and scrapping throughout the night. And, and then you just see how this Knicks team got here. They've got the three scorers, but then they surround them with the Quentin Grimes and Mitchell Robinson and guys that will fight. And that Quentin Grimes, <laughs> uh, the play at the end, which was phenomenal. He turns his ankle. He looks like he's done. He's done on the play. He looks hobbled. It sort of looked like Jimmy Butler in game one. Uh, he was on, uh, Grimes was on the defensive end. Are they going to go at him? Well, yeah, they do. Jimmy Butler gets the ball on against a hobbled Quentin Grimes. Can he fight through this? And he poked it from Jimmy Butler. He's able to body him, stood him up, and then poked it from him. Two steals, two blocks, five assists uh, for Quentin Grimes. So the, the perfect compliment uh, to, their, to their big three. What happens in game six? Can they do it again? Can they have that same sort of energy? And was it too late to throw Quentin Grimes in the starting lineup a little bit later in this series? Because now now they do have the spacing and they do have their rotation back. They feel like the Knicks again. And that was a, a, a real inspirational win at home. It feels like the Knicks again, but I don't know if it's too late. Miami looked like the regular season Miami, too, when it came to shooting threes. Uh, you know, outside of Struess, who had a decent game, and then Duncan Robinson late to get them back into it, which obviously matter. But they shot 13 of 43 with the deep ball. Kevin Love was looking like Al Horford. He was <laughs> wide open. He just could not come close to knocking these down. I know one sort of bing, bing, bounced out, but he finished 0 for 7 from 3. They were wide open looks. Like I, I don't think if if you're gonna play that game again uh, and simulate it again, yeah, I think the chances are he's gonna knock down a couple of those. And maybe it's a different game, but he just couldn't get one fall. Nor could a lot of the other guys, especially outside of Struess. There, 
in the starting lineup. Yeah, they had two hot stretches uh, that you mentioned, basically, yeah. with Robinson getting hot at the end. But this is probably the worst game that the Heat have played so far in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if it's their lowest shooting percentage from three, but it kind of felt like it. And the Knicks took advantage. They made 13 threes, as did Miami. And theirs were just more reliably throughout the game, which I think uh, definitely mattered, though. Shout out to the Heat for at least getting back into yeah. it. And I don't know. I mean... A weird one. If Jimmy comes through in the end, they could have won this one. Jimmy had a chance to win it. He looked a little tired at the end, so we'll see how he is. Game six, I assume he's coming out in kill mode. Uh, one random note I had from this game. I think we have the screen grab here. Did you guys see the uh, the big hat? You the, bet. The, the big old noggin hat, whatever we call hat. these. Look at this guy. It was a quick shot. Uh, <laughs> I made sure to take note of the time, though. I was like, I'm going to grab that because they had... Just, like, imagine standing behind that guy or I was just like, I don't know, just even near the guy. <laughs> uh, who would be – I mean, look at – who's worse to stand behind? Kid in the big head or his friend who's next to him who's still six inches taller? And he's a giant. You're yeah, right. it's a tall kid. <laughs> Number nine. <laughs> it's a, why is James crying? He just got dunked on. Big blue right here. <laughs> there, I, haven't, I haven't seen one of these in the wild yet. Like, I've yet, I've yet to Walking down the walk ac- across someone in a supermarket or in a store. Uh, I'll definitely document it the day I do, but... Um, yeah, there he is, uh, taking it in. Big old hat man. <laughs> it's just a great look. Somebody pointed out it looked like Tim Bontemps a little bit, mm-hmm. the lower part of his face, because you can't see the top part because of the shadow. Uh, any other random notes from uh, the Knicks' gritty win there in, in Game 5 to give us some, uh, two Game 6s on Friday, like I said? It's just awesome seeing that guy. Every time there was even a, a hint of seeing a big hat, it, it, you could kind of just see it in the corner there. It was just awesome. <laughs> just, just so fantastic. I wonder if, uh, like baseball, they banned the big hat celebration here in the Braves uh, dugout uh, because there's a home run celebration. Yeah. They, the, the Braves were putting on the big hat. And they, they banned it. They banned why it, did yes. they ban it? Because, because it's not a new era hat. Yeah, that, okay, exactly. Oh, it's, uh, it's so tough. Hat. So, so new era said no. Oh no. my god! I'm just I'm surprised new era hasn't made a hat. Like they got to make big hats. Yeah, come what on. are you waiting for new but era? I guess they're they're above that. That's below them to make a big hat. We're a ball cap. <laughs> We're a brand. normal size hat. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just assuming it's weird. Um, well, why don't so they I wonder like... if those get banned? I wonder if if the NBA has hat deals. Probably not because they don't wear hats. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say, have the Braves talked about as a bit of an fu then to be like, all right, well, our home run celebration, we're gonna get like the little um, ice cream um, hat or uh, Tiny helmet helmet and wear that instead, <laughs> and walk around like you're uh, Ron Swanson. <laughs> I guess, I guess you could do it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. yeah, those are allowed. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway. They're fine with that. I think the Braves' mistake was they didn't go with, like, their hat doesn't look like the Braves' hat. They put Braves on it. Every Braves' hat just has an A on it. Mm. If they would have done that, they would have been none the wiser. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no idea. Like, we yeah, Who's got the biggest hat on the Braves? Did we send that hat? That looks like... It looks like... A huge hat to wear. It just looks like too much. It looks heavy, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. I bet the hat is light. I mean, it has to be. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like that's all, all spandex fabric <laughs> covering a lightweight frame. I mean, this is also what I look like just wearing a normal hat. <laughs> so there is that part. I mean, we should. I should wear one of these. See what would happen. I might like just fold up like an accordion or something. I don't know. Um, or my head, like my head would fall off because of the. Just it would be so top heavy. We got to get a big hat. I well, mean, just to try you know it on. Like, Stupid. Remember, we've, we've we been talked talking about these dumb hats for <laughs> months. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. We talked about them for months when they came out. We're like, oh, these are crazy, man. <laughs> and then it was like they were gone. It felt like 
they they disappeared for a couple months, and then I guess the Braves sort of had them back in the uh, in the zeitgeist. This guy's got one. <laughs> I mean, they're around. You'll see them in a you'll see them in a crowd for sure. But uh, we need to see one in the classic factory. Okay, all right. Sitting well, right we've, hey, look, we've, every day. So we've got the. Uh, We've got the company credit card. We could definitely buy a big <laughs> How much? Is, how hundred bucks? Is that Something what you like said? No yeah. way. Not even. I would say. Really? Yeah. Hundred bucks? Like, Seventy-five for a plain one. <laughs> you can personalize with a patch or go full custom. Obviously, we're going full custom. Yeah, Did yeah. we ever find out like how it stays on their head? Does it have like a thing on the inside of it? It's, I think so. Right? Yeah. It's like, like I think it'll fit everybody. Yeah. Like it's got like a like a spandex inside, and it just like sits on the. You inside know what it's like? Oh, I think yeah. it's like a almost mm. like a hard hat. I thought. Oh, yeah, like kind of like thing. where you can like yeah. change the oh, okay. uh, the okay. circumference of it within. I was it. curious. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll buy a big hat. Uh, anything else, guys? <laughs> on either of those games last night? <laughs> no. Is that real? I'm staring over. It was Curry on Shark Soldier. Tank. Mark Cuban is Noggin wearing Boss. A... Oh, Noggin Boss. That's Noggin Boss was on Shark Tank. Phoenix maker of gargantuan hats scores big Shark Tank investment, and there's a picture of Mark Cuban one. He, one. he looks Noggin. ridiculous. It just fits him. Noggin. <laughs> Noggin Boss. There's hat. something there with Bing Bong <laughs> Noggin. Bing Boggin. There's something there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Game seven. Yeah. Every okay. single fan in MSG should wear one. That's intimidating. <laughs> that would be very intimidating. Yeah. Mark Cuban said he would help facilitate an introduction to the Dallas Mavericks marketing team. Okay, they probably could. They probably sell them in the Mavs shop. They're gonna have like a big hat day. You look in the crowd; everybody's just wearing this gigantic hat. Make a cowboy version of one. But we yeah. need to Come see on. like guys like Darvin Ham wear one of these. Like, does it? Do you even know? You know, <laughs> Zaza Patrulia. Yeah, Boban. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Okay, uh, let's take our first break. When we come back, we got some all-NBA teams to discuss, and we'll get into the snubs. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe if you're joining us live on YouTube. Uh, We did come up with a great idea when it comes to the Noggin Boss giant hats. A beach stepping hat. That you could wear to the beach or the pool. It's a great it's idea. It's like an umbrella on your head. Keep the sun off your face. Nothing healthy about a tan. That's right. No melanomas this summer. Oh, We're wearing know. big hats. It's a giant noggin boss that says beach stepping on it. Yeah, what are they waiting for? Because I, I generally hate large brim hats. You know, the, 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 the camping type hat. Sure, something sure. you wear out when you're hiking. I hate camping them. Camping type hat. Well, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, the, what's, the, what's, the good, what's the good word for it? What, it's, not, it's almost a bucket hat, right? Like, it's a larger bucket Someone call hat. it a boonie hat, I believe. Mm, a boonie. Yeah, if if you live in the boonies, hat. that's what you wear, for sure. But you would yeah. rock a noggin boss <laughs> on your you? hike or at the pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Uh, okay, we got some uh, more awards to talk about. The NBA has been handing out these regular season awards for the past several weeks. On Wednesday night, gave us a big one. The league announced its three all 
it's three all NBA teams. And while some of the names, pretty obvious selections, there's a few eyebrows raised. Uh, let's take a look at the teams. First team, Joel Embiid at center, Giannis and Tatum as the forwards, Luca and Shea Gilgis Alexander at the guard positions. This is the first team, SGA, the lone first-time All-NBA selection within that group of five. Second team, uh, MVP runner-up, Nikola Jokic, uh, with forwards Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown. We'll talk about his selection in a second. And you got Steph Curry and Donovan Mitchell as the guards. And the third team got two kings, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, uh, both chosen for the first time, along with Damian Lillard at guard. Randall as one of the forwards, uh, and for his 19th straight season, I believe, LeBron James. So there it is, uh, your first, second, and third teams. Um, the obvious question off this, any surprises, snubs? What jumped out to you? Well, seeing Shea on the first team, just a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. He deserves it. Um, but that was just simple a simple surprise. Not to say that somebody should jump over, but he made the first team over Steph Curry. Games played, obviously, a big part of it. Donovan Mitchell's also on the second team. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just saying it was... Shocking. Right. Uh, I, I was shocked that when it came to all-star voting that he was up there because he's in OKC, but uh, people giving him a, a ton of respect. So that was just my initial first response. Hell of a season from SGA. 31.4 points per game, 4.8 boards, 5.5 assists, 1.6 steals, fourth leading score. But uh, yeah, cracking the first team. Caught me by surprise. I knew he'd make one of the teams, but maybe not over, like you said, yeah. uh, a Mitchell or a Curry. What about you? TK. I'm surprised that there's two players from non-playoff teams on the first team. Yeah. Luca and Shea. I don't know if that's ever happened. Two teams Highly under unlikely. 500 records? Probably not. Very unlikely. Putting first teamers? Kind of strange to see, yeah. uh, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I was impressed that Jimmy Butler made second team. That's the highest he's ever finished in an all-NBA voting. He only played 64 games, but we saw him drag the heat to a whole bunch of wins, and I think <laughs> seeing how the playoffs have played out, you're like, yeah, that guy's top 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite Obviously, probably my biggest snub, I would say, is Devin Booker. He only played 53 games, which is probably why he didn't make the team. But during all of his runs, when he was actually playing, he looked like easily a top five guy. I would have had him yeah. easily above SGA. But and, and honestly, probably Luca as well. But 53 games, I guess, was not enough. Well, yeah, for some reason. That's a, that's the interesting part. No Anthony <laughs> yeah. Davis here either. Now he played 56 games, but that's the exact number that Curry played. Uh, Booker, 53, like you said. Durant, uh, you know, not even hitting 50. 47. He was 47, so maybe that one makes a little bit more sense. Luckily, this will be the last year we have to, like, debate the how many games played matters here. Is it 50, 55? Is it 60? Because next year, 23-24, all NBA teams. Positionless. So we could have, in theory, five guards. It could be five forwards. It could be five centers on the first team. Doesn't matter. And players have to play 65 games to qualify for any of these major honors and awards. So this will be the last year where you could, at least in in this CBA agreement, where you could play 56 games uh, and make it. Let's talk Jalen Brown, though, because this is interesting. He makes the second team, uh, which maybe surprised some people as well that he was on the second team. He was only on one first-team ballot. But on 85 of the 100 selections there in the forward vote, and that got him there to the second team, that now makes him eligible for a Supermax extension worth nearly $300 million from the Celtics, depending on the 24-25 cap number. 
And uh, as many have pointed out, this development likely reduces the risk of him fleeing <laughs> in free agency in 2024 because of that dollar value. Tatum, by the way, also eligible to sign a five-year extension worth over $300 million this summer with the exact amount dependent on future cap rises. We're talking $300 million here for two guys on the same team. <laughs> and I hope the Celtics win the title this season. Yeah. Because it's going to be a lot harder to keep a team around those two once this new CBA kicks in and you're basically not allowed to spend money or trade players together once you get over the second apron. So uh, good news for Brown and for Tatum, getting to lock in a $300 million contract. Maybe not the greatest news uh, for the Celtics in the long term. Uh, just going to be hard to put a team around player when we got two guys making $300 million each. That's hard to build around that kind of a team. Sure. They're going to do it, though. Uh, they really have no choice in today's NBA. I don't, I don't oh, think Oh, yeah, they they're even... definitely going to sign him. But, yeah. I mean, they might get out in the second round this year. It's absolutely <laughs> true. But most important position in the NBA, uh, two guys at the same position, you know, at the wing spot, you got to do it. John Morant, the opposite of uh, someone like Jalen Brown, he missed third team and thus will see hit the extension he signed last fall decline in value by nearly $40 million over the next five years uh, because he didn't hit one of those third teams, uh, one of the all-NBA teams, I should say. That's, uh, you know, that, that maybe was less surprising. He had an incredible season. Obviously, what happened near the end of the year had an impact, you have to assume. Uh, That's his, the only reason, I think. self-inflicted yeah. suspension. Yeah. He played 61 games. Yeah. I mean, Jaw was one of the six best guards this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he got himself, he cost himself $39 million, basically. Yeah, the off-court... Incidents, 100%. Yeah. He was team one or team two for most of the year. Mm-hmm. When it came to the third team, were you shocked by anyone that did sneak in there? Like, was Julius Randle a surprise a to you? A little bit. Yeah. I think Larry Markinen, who was the next vote getter yeah. uh, in terms of overall votes, how it was voted, should have been there over Randle. That would be my pick. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think he compares quite favorably to Randle, except for Randle played how many more games this season? 11 more games. I think that's kind of what it came down to. And I don't mind having a Nick make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Randall did have a really good regular season. I mean, he averaged 25 a game, 10 rebounds, and was hitting threes throughout the entire year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Knicks were a, a bit of a surprise team, even more so than, well, not more so than the Jazz were, but they finished with a better record. So I get it, but I would like to see Markinen. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like the Jazz sort of shut down Markinen a little bit near uh, the end of the season, too. Confirmed. I don't know if that had any impact. I mean, 66 games. Yeah. I wouldn't call it shut down. Uh, well, he took a couple I'm games I'm looking at off. it now over the final, you know, he only played like three of the final 10 or 11 games. Yeah. It's, um, it's true. That's 66 in today's NBA. That'll get you an award. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't factor in the the additional 11 games. Um, I just looked at the numbers. He had better numbers than mm-hmm. Julius yep. Randle. He was way more efficient. But if you're if you're a games GP type of guy or gal, then sure, go for it. Go for Randle. That's fine. I do agree with the, the whole Nick thing. A very solid team. The Jazz, a team that missed the play-in. And Brunson not being there as well. Um, it... it it kind of feels like he should have one, but individually, I thought his marketing season was better than Randall's. Um, yeah, it is funny when it comes to all NBA. There's less um, uh, importance, I guess, in the eyes of the voters on your team's record. I mean, like you said, Luca, SGA, <coughs> Damian Lillard's, you know, an incredible year. He's on one of these teams. They weren't good. Uh, you know, Larry Markinen unfortunately doesn't make it, but he was right there on a team that's uh, sub 500. We'll see moving forward here with these 65 games played and what impact that has. I can't wait to like hear next year like people arguing about 
How are there four, uh, you know, fill in whatever position on this one team? That doesn't make any sense. That's not basketball. Because, like, Jokic and Embiid are probably going to be on the first team. I assume with the Giannis, this is if everybody plays enough games. Uh, and then are people going to be upset or they're going to be like, yes, good. It's the way we want it. <laughs> Something tells me people will still be upset. <laughs> oh, there'll be a new complaint. They're like, who's going to play point guard on that team? And then people say, oh, it's Jokic. You can run through Jokic. It's like, it's not a real game. It's not a real team. Because uh, people were saying, second team looks like they would dominate the, they would. Uh, the, the first team. You think so? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, they can make outside shots. <laughs> All right. We got some news here in the coaching world. An intriguing name added to the mix in the Raptors' ongoing search for a new head coach. According to Woj, former NBA shooting guard and current podcaster and ESPN analyst J.J. Redick has been interviewing for the Raptors' coaching vacancy. Um, He was a part of these first round of interviews where he met with the franchise leaders in Toronto recently. They're talking to a lot of people, Tass. The, the list is long. How long is this guy. list? Oh, it's, uh, I think Michael Grange had it at like 12 or 13 people deep. Oof. Um, but <laughs> well, this... It's a lot of people to talk to. It's a to. lot of people. I mean, there's, I mean, I can tell you some of them right here. I Luckily, did write it down. We got Jerry Stackhouse, Sam Cassell, Kenny Atkinson, Adrian Griffin, Charles Lee, Chris Quinn, Jordy Fernandez, David Adelman, excuse me, Raptors 905 head coach Patrick Matumbo, I didn't say WNBA coach, Becky Hammond. Mm. Uh, Budenholzer, I don't know. I don't think he's been linked quite yet to the Raps. But then a J.J. Redick did appear. Nowhere. Yes. J.J., what are you doing? You're just about to change the media game. <laughs> he is changing it. Well, now he's going into coaching. You can't change the media game from the front seat of a head coach, never the bench. No. No, stay with us. Stay with us. Well, hold on. It's, it's a far cushier gig. Don't go. <laughs> I guess, I guess he just misses the game that much. Oh, possibly. Or does he dislike the media game that much that he has to go coach again? Or it's just good for the brand to be interviewing for coaching jobs. Oh, true. Yep, sit through an interview, see what it's like. You know, Kenny Smith apparently interviews for all these jobs. That's right. That's right. And he's been working for TNT for 25 <laughs> years. That's right. So I don't necessarily think J.J. Redick is going to be the Raptors coach. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll be Steve Kerr. But maybe he's just taking a job. Maybe he's just taking an interview. I'll talk to Masai, sure. What if they say, hey, you, you got the job. He doesn't have to say yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, a real Kenny Atkinson. Free trip to Toronto. Why not? Yeah, in the, as springtime nears. Yeah. Uh, Do they zoom? Oh, you think he went to Toronto? Zoom, zoom it. I think it, I thought that was what they said. Oh, he traveled. Nice. Uh, I don't That's know good. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I read into it. Maybe that's me projecting. I was just there. I don't know. Um, he did. Uh, was a target J.J. Redick for the Celtics as an assistant coach uh, after retiring. The other thing of this is, it, it sounds silly maybe to say the Raptors are looking for a head coach, of course. Maybe not a bad idea, though, to talk to of course a lot of people, a lot of candidates, as you probably should in a job search of, of this importance, but like get their feedback as well. He's a respected, you know, basketball mind, J.J. Redick, early here in his podcasting and, and, and television career. What does he think of the direction of the franchise or what they're doing? I'm sure it's a, a, a back-and-forth dialogue between Masai and Bobby Webster and, and J.J., so I, I sort of like that. I don't think he's going to take this job. And I have no idea if he'd make a good coach. I guess my gut says he would, but who knows when it comes to these things. I think his coaching staff would be comprised of Mad Dog, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, <laughs> Greenberg? Greenberg, yeah. He'll be taking notes uh, for sure. He'll take notes on the weather. He knows what's going on with the weather uh, in every city for yeah. sure. Um, but uh, it is that classic role player had to work through – Every situation, every locker room, had, and, and was excellent at it. 
is always tends to be a better communicator, like we see with a Darvin Ham, than, than somebody who is just a, a good old superstar and it just came to him naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's the interesting thing for sure. But uh, yeah, maybe he's pulling a pulling a Kenny and <laughs> just get the get the name out there. Very interesting stuff. Come on, let's just stick around. We're having some fun in the media. Well, what again. about this from his content play? You know, obviously a 15 year vet. I think what makes him an incredible podcaster and television analyst is he like is so, you know, quickly removed from the game. He understands like the intricacies and what's going on in the locker room and, and obviously counters some of these like talking heads and is like, you don't know shit about what goes on in there and all that. So he's like, the one thing I don't know about though, coaching. <laughs> so I go get a coaching job, do that for a couple seasons, take that fat paycheck. And then you just come back to this. This is always going to be here. The podcasting, the TV, and then you can speak <laughs> exactly to that experience right. as well. He's just adding, he's trying to add a tool to the toolbox is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> this guy can do Smart it all, man. man. He plays basketball. <laughs> he makes memes. Maybe he can coach. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Grange, by the way, uh, plugged in with the Raptors, says that there's no short list because I went through all those <laughs> names. And the intention remains to have their new head coach, in place by the NBA draft on June 23rd. So we have the lottery right around the corner. That's next Tuesday. Uh, and then a little bit of time for the draft. But you may want to have, yeah, your your head coach in place to help the decision-making when it comes to the pick. Um, he also had a great part about in that piece Grange did about why he thinks sort of Becky Hammond should be targeted just a lot more aggressively by the NBA teams. There was someone who was quoted anonymously in this uh, article that said, I'm honestly amazed there hasn't been more of a rush to offer Becky Hammond a job, a position. Think about it. The thing I would want as a GM is someone who is ready and, male or female, you have to take a look at this coach. Eight years under Popovich, good record of success as a player, good reputation with the players she's worked with. She goes into the WNBA, wins a championship in her first year as head coach. I mean... That's a, a lot of great things on a resume. Though, even if the Raptors settled on her, or any team, who says she wants to even leave the Aces situation? She's the highest paid coach in the WNBA. She's the defending champion. They have a super team going on. I mean, things are good there, so there is that. But it's only going to be... It, it's, it's, it's when, not if, uh, she is an NBA head coach, I think. I'm yeah very surprised that it hasn't happened yet. And yeah, give her some time here before uh, she don't for- force her to go into the the aces season and have to coach games. I would assume if she's interviewing for the job that she would like the job. This isn't a situation where she is just taking an interview to take an interview. Mm-hmm. So let's get this done. I, I totally agree. She would be fantastic. And anyone who thinks that it would be a distraction to have a female head coach is. It's not seeing the big picture. I mean, it, it is ridiculous. I think it's going to happen, yeah, at some point. But it's 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 been going on too long. There's been so many rumors. It, it's it's got to be some smoke there. Yeah, Popovich hasn't retired yet, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Is just waiting to take over there. Uh, how many spots are open then right now? Toronto, Milwaukee, Houston is filled. Houston is filled. I almost said that. You're right. Is that it? Is that where we're at? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Let us know in the stream team if we're missing anyone there. Uh, what coaching vacancies are there? Are we just down to those two? And, well, are there more to come is always the case. <laughs> I guess that could happen as we get closer to the draft. Uh, let's hear your thoughts on J.J. Redick as a head coach. Pistons. Good one. Pistons, good. Pistons. Dwayne. 
Oh, Dwayne Casey is going to go back coach the Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Fire it back up. Yeah. Round two. Uh, let's take our second break. When we come back, tweet of the night, and we'll look ahead to tonight's do or die games for a few teams. Don't go anywhere. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Really didn't know what to go with here for Tweet of the Night. Bandied about a couple. Just like I didn't know what the hell this brand is that I'm about to talk about. Tommy Bahamas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this tweet coming from our man, Robbie Callant. Okay. He tweeted with a photo of a Tommy Bahama bag. My Tommy Bahama phase has begun. A rite of passage for all of us in our 30s. End tweet. The bag, the bag lists the name Tommy Bahama. And below it, restaurant, bar, store. <laughs> What are you, Tommy Bahama? <laughs> what are you? Bit of everything. Yeah. I didn't know they were a restaurant and a bar. I thought they were just a, a floral shirts store. <laughs> Not like a cool floral shirts, but like I too got my first Tommy Bahama shirts in my 30s, and they were hand-me-downs from a friend's dad who was in his 60s, and they look like a 60-year-old man's shirt. Uh, but Robbie, I know he likes to be out on the golf course, so I'm yes. sure they're looking perfect out there. That's uh-huh. what I. That's what I was. A lot thinking. of beachy looks. Wasn't shocked. Beachy by looks, news. flowing hair, flowing shirts, <laughs> button ups. Not not necessarily just golf shirts, but full button ups. Full buttons. Ready yep. for Hawaii. Ready for the Bahamas. I suppose is what Tommy is ready for. <laughs> I didn't know about the restaurants. I had no idea. There are a lot of them. Guess where? Uh, in Florida. Oh, yeah. In Hawaii. Uh, it appears to be one that. in Vegas. There's one in Atlanta? Where? Get our big hats, our big shirts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, I'm not seeing that. Uh, I, I, Maybe it's coming. <laughs> oh, this is the clothing store. My bad. There's yeah, one permanently yeah. closed at Phipps Plaza. Okay, okay, okay good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Too bad. Well, I, yeah, I, I did some research, and Tommy Bahama apparently, you know, according to one of these websites that gives you gives you the uh, some advice on, on good brands, 
the question was, is Tommy Bahama worth it? Overall, Tommy Bahama is a good brand if you're looking for clothes, swimsuits, furniture, what? Or accessories to Jeez. bring to the beach. So I guess it's centered around the beach life. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and I, oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I had to... I was debating again. I had another tweet, but then when I came in and I saw your shirt tray, <laughs> not to insult your shirt, but flowy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no relation to Tommy Bahama. Oh, uh, this brand. is a Uniqlo. Uh, but okay. yeah, I mean, similar styled shirts, you would say. Uh, camp collars, very popular for Tommy Bahama. <laughs> Tommy and the boys. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's getting a little warm here. I guess it's oh, getting it is, yeah. warm for Robbie. I mean, I, I did a, a, a little resort vacation recently and I was wearing a shirt that could definitely be a Bahama like pass shirt. as a, a Tommy oh, sure it was flowing yeah I could I can feel the beach waves right now the wind in my shirt oh, oh how many God, buttons did feeling. you have on oh man. yeah three at least oh wow right down to the no nah, I never do that to the belly button. but it's nice it's a nice feeling yeah I just I literally had a deja vu didn't know I could still have deja vus I felt good uh Ash <laughs> do you want to go to our other tweet <laughs> Oh, here we sure, go. Sure, sure. Multiples. This is good. <laughs> a little, a little, ho- a little quick hockey report for everybody. <laughs> there we go. I thought, I thought this uh, Deadspin tweet was fantastic. Okay. The Toronto Maple Leafs disappoint their fans by winning. Oh! <laughs> They're down 3-0 in the series to the Florida Panthers. They yeah. won to they make staved. it. They staved. They staved off did stave. That is a some good popular staving. word. And it feels like a Toronto thing. You know, the old... Uh, the sports problems that we have in Toronto as Toronto fans. They're better at losing. They didn't know what to do with this win. They would have been ready to riot, uh, to cause some problems if they lost. But now it's 3-1. What are we going to do? When? Uh, Although outside of uh, the Scotiabank Arena, what we know as Jurassic Park for the Toronto Raptors was absolutely going crazy for this win, even though it was played in Florida. They were going nuts because they love their Aki. One at a time, Tass, one at a time. Yeah, it could be done. I think it was fitting on a, on the same night that the Knicks staved off elimination that the Toronto Raptors did the same thing. I think there's a lot of similarities between those fan bases, those franchises, mm. the futility, but the diehards out there. So I like that. That's a good point. The last um, time the Knicks won, 50 years ago, they're trying to do what the Bucks did, 50-year mm. celebration, 50-year wow. anniversary of their last win while the the Leafs at what's 56 I guess yeah. uh, a little 67 bit 67 is when the yeah. last time they won the cup uh, so they were excited but it's happened in hockey before four times a team has come back 3 comebacks wow. wow Jonathan Quick and the Sacramento Kings wait no Sacramento LA Kings, Kings. <laughs> that's messed up that they have two teams in California both black and purple called the Kings different sports different cities <laughs> You put it that way, yeah. you're right. Yeah. That's wild. Messed up. <laughs> it's not right. What are you doing, Gavin? Change the names. I do forget about the uh, the LA Kings yeah. for, for t- uh, times. But Luke yeah, Robitaille. Ooh. Nice. Marcel oh. Dion. Oh, oldie. Uh, literally the only other king I know is Wayne Gretzky. Kelly. Was he a king? Yari Curry yeah. played for, mm. that for a little bit. Did he really followed Wayne? I think so. <laughs> Kelly Rudy. Nice. Between the pipes. Him up, him up, Rob Blake? You love Rob Blake. Rob Blake. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he could fire. Yeah, yeah. He played for the Kings for sure. <laughs> he could fire from the he blue line. Really fire yeah. it. Uh, anyways, actually, uh, the Leafs did come back to win the Stanley Cup final in 1942 from 3 0. That was a big Here one. Here we go. Big one. Uh, 75, 2010, and 2014, it's happened. And it's happened once in baseball. Well, that's. We oh, know. Yeah, of course. We of know course. baseball. 04. So it's the Leafs. Hey. If the Leafs come back yep. to win this series, what's going to happen? We all buy Noggin Boss <laughs> Leafs hats. 
<laughs> okay. okay. Yes. Look me in the eyes. That's what we're doing. Do they exist? Or we no, we'll get them custom made. Custom, okay. Yeah, yeah. Company card, of course. <laughs> uh, all right, tonight's games. Uh, two game sixes. Are we doing playback tonight? Is that happening? I'm, uh, we're not sure. I'm, we'll let you know if we are. Okay. I thought you were, or you wanted to. Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, we're probably doing not a playback. Me. Okay. okay. <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> I'm up for sure. Uh, Celtic Sixers. <laughs> Damn, this guy's got a life. <laughs> 7.30 on ESPN. Philly can put this one away. They're up 3-2, so the Celtics need to stave off elimination. And then the same things goes for the Suns. They're at home, though, as the Nuggets come to town at 10 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Denver can move on to the conference finals. So, yeah, Celtics and Suns, seasons on the line. Quick predictions. Who is still alive? Come tomorrow's drop podcast. Both of them? One of them? None of them. I say the Celtics are still alive. The Celtics are for sure. I just want uh, to get Oh, <laughs> he says for sure. I think for both sure. are. We yeah. go into game seven, baby. I think both are. Okay? Give me Celtics, give me Suns. Tonight, let's hear from you in the stream team. Let's hear from you podcast listeners. Tweet at us at No Dunks Inc. Leave your boys a five star rating and review. If you're live on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit subscribe as we march towards 70,000 subs. And we will see you here at 10 a.m. Eastern for the Drop Podcast live from the Classic Factory on Friday. Later today, over on No Buffs, if you're a Survivor fan, at 1 p.m. Eastern, talking about last night's episode. Should be a good one. Till then, Clipper Bro. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, all four series here in the conference semifinals going at least six games in back-to-back years. It's exciting. First time that's happened since 94 and 95. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We got some series and we're going game seven. What are you looking for, a bug? I was looking for the bug, yeah. Oh, cool. Say goodbye. Race the day, people. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.